To Hell with the Hot Dish represents the opinions and musings of three not overly intelligent pastors working to challenge a church long defined by a cliché casserole culture. The thoughts expressed here are their own and not necessarily the thoughts of any larger institution. So feel free to find your seat, stow all expectations for answers in the overhead compartment, and join us on this misguided adventure. This is To Hell with the Hot Dish. Welcome, welcome to this podcast, this misguided adventure that we have affectionately titled To Hell with the Hot Dish. How are we doing today, fellas? Yeah. Kyle Kyle just gives a, yeah? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing good. Yeah, how you feeling, buddy? Not not super hot. I, I will, everybody, I've, I've heard the comments on Facebook that sometimes I can be a little loud, and that's your problem. <laughs> But uh, today, I might be able to bring it down and maybe even get a real deep radio voice. I'll get your Barry Manilow voice I've come down with a cold. So I may not have that same zip as you're used to, but... uh, You've been nipping on that NyQuil? No, not right now. Now I'm on that day, Quill, because it's the day. Lorne, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm kind of entering into just a, a wholeness recently. I've been making some changes, and I kind of like the direction things are going lately. What? Oh, what? yeah. That's cool. That's like the opposite of mine, you know, because I'm feeling like technically like in the flesh. When I'm speaking in the flesh, I feel like because I've been struggling physically with my health, I feel like spiritually I find myself striving more than I am thriving in my faith. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, Alex, because I was in a season like that a little while ago. Do you feel like you're yearning for the heart of God as much as you used to? Oh, oh. I, I mean, I feel like I, I do, but not. it's almost as if I'm in like a spiritual backslide. You know what I mean? And I don't want that because I'm looking for a deeper fellowship for sure. For sure. The thing about it is that at every opportunity, every new day – is a new opportunity to draw closer to your brothers in Christ because we're here for you. Sure. To point you to the holies of holy. Uh-huh. I, I appreciate that, you know. Um, I do. It's just there's this yearning in me towards, a, I guess I'd I guess I'd call it like a longer obedience towards a better sense of wholeness, Whoa. spiritual stewardship, and a better, I'm trying to offer a better love offering is what I'm getting what? At, You know what I mean? What are you guys talking about? Kyle, we're just talking church, man. What the talking heck church. are you, you, what is this? You're, I don't have, you've been talking for a minute. I have no idea what you're talking I'm about. I'm trying to offer testimony, Kyle. Kyle, when is the last time you felt like you've drawn close to the heart of God? The, the heart of God? What? The heart of Jesus. I, it sounds like there's a little abrasion in your spirit right what? now, Kyle. I'm not and a, I just want you. 
I'm not abrazed. What are you talking about? I just want you to take a moment right now, Kyle, to get in touch with the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to intercede on your behalf. Because I think right now your judgment, your flesh is clouding your ability to see the goodness that God has for you. I'm trying to minister to my brother Alex here. And I think that you're a stumbling block right now. Well, getting in touch with the Lord is making me uncomfortable right now. But look, we all... No, I think there's something here, and I think it's, Lauren, maybe we're speaking a little bit, uh, maybe we're speaking in a different vocabulary than he's used to. Uh, I clearly. think the thing that, that's most important right now, Alex and Kyle, I don't know, but this word might be for you too, that maybe you're <laughs> run down oh, and you're tired. Lord. Lord's gone full judgmental. <laughs> Maybe you're run down and you're tired. And Kyle, maybe you're a little bit not in tune with the spirit because you guys haven't been abiding in the arms of our Lord. <laughs> Lawrence has gone a bit off the rails. I liked, I liked it. <laughs> but yeah, it's gone a little judgmental now. How do you feel, Kyle? How inept do you feel spiritually? I, uh, I feel uncomfortable. I don't know where I fit in with this group anymore. I mean, it's it's this language, these buzzwords, this, I don't know. I've lost, I lost track of what you're talking about anymore. So did we, Kyle. So <laughs> did we. I'm not the this, only one. I have, I'm going to, I'm going to part the veil here and guess what? This was all a goof oh. about how church people speak sometimes a very different language. And maybe nobody speaks like Lauren and I just spoke because that was out of control. <laughs> but, uh. It might feel like that at times. Well, thanks for letting me know ahead of time. That was <laughs> whew, a little jarring. Well, today, guys, I'd I'd like to talk about, I'd like to have a conversation about language. That sounds boring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I can keep my mouth shut only so long. I want another game show episode. Uh, half of our listeners have already tuned out. They're like, oh, talking about language. I'm done. No, I'm really curious to talk about language because think about it for a moment. Like language is central to, to humanity. Like it, it forms cultures since the dawn of time. Communities have been formed around mm-hmm. language. It's, it's just innate to our humanity. It's what separates us from other living creatures that, you know, they might communicate in their own ways, but the human language is fascinating to me. And I just think it's, remarkable people that can speak a different language or know multiple languages. Whenever I travel down to Haiti and I hear our Haitians speaking, uh, you know, a mixture of uh, French and Spanish and Creole and English, it's just, Mm -hmm. it blows my mind. And what fascinates me is how much language creates culture and can really gather people together, but it also has this ability to exclude people and keep people out. And I I think it might be worthwhile for us to press into this topic a little bit, considering the fact that we live in a time and an age when change is happening rapidly. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about this for a moment. The three of us are here on a podcast, right? Right. Like we're talking through a microphone in three (laughs) different cities around the country. Pretty incredible. And just 10, 15 years ago, that would have been unheard of. Yeah. That, That would have just been crazy to think about. And so here we are in this day and age when you've got things like Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and all these ways and forms mm-hmm. that we can communicate. And so everything's shifting rapidly, right? And I think our language is shifting too. And you pair all of that next to this reality that the church, the church plural, corporate, 
is no longer in yeah. the center of society, right? Yeah. Like we don't have a place of prominence like we used to have. I wear my collar out on Sunday when I'm leaving church to the grocery store and I'm certain I get different reactions from people than pastors got mm-hmm. 50 years ago in this country. You know, no no one's holding the door open for me. <laughs> oh, times are tough for Lauren, huh? Well, and you got some people who when they put on the collar act differently than they did without the collar, right? So that is definitely a thing that happens, too. So I'm curious to talk about because the church is no longer in the center of society. Do we need to be attentive to the language we use that we might assume people understand that for multiple reasons, they just they're not picking up what we're speaking? So so how is it as Christians or as people of faith? You know, are there things about our culture, our language that just don't connect? Oh, totally. Yes, of course. We use so many like words that are traditionally valuable that we've learned because we're part of this, you know, clan, this tribe even. I mean, dropping that language that we have a tribe, that we have cultures within cultures is already something that can be exclusionary to some mm-hmm. people. But like then we throw in the fact that our very buildings, we have names where it's like, hi, welcome. If you'll go through the narthex healer, you'll find the nave. And it's like, <laughs> what are you saying? It's like, we're now going to partake in communion. We're the now Eucharist. going to pass a plate, which is an offering time. And I'm like, is offering tips? Because yeah. I see people putting money in it. Like, there's a whole lot of language connected to just traditional church that we are blessed to have in our history. But I don't know if we're honoring any of that vocabulary by talking or teaching it. I mean, I I heard the other day somebody had commented and I just felt so embarrassed that, like, I had fallen into that and gotten too, so, so like haphazard with how I throw around words. So I was just like, you seem to always talk about grace. And I'm like, well, I'm Lutheran. Like, yeah, but that's silly. I just assumed because Lutherans and grace and grace Lutheran churches all over and all these grace, grace, grace stuff that everyone just knows what grace mm-hmm. is. And in culture, grace means it could be a very different thing. I mean, um, I, Amelia watches Cinderella and the way and reads a book and they say she walked with grace. You know, she had this grace about her. I'm like, yeah, that's another. I get, huh? Well, I'm talking about grace biblically, I guess, or traditionally mm-hmm. more. I'm talking about grace. And what other? I mean, have you guys had that? Had a word that you throw around pretty casually that you think just, oh, I'm in church. I can assume people know this. And then someone's just gone, hey, sorry, what? Mm-hmm. Are you saying? Yeah. So, so this this kind of sparked my interest, and one of the reasons I want to talk about it today. I had a family come up to me the other week after uh, worship, and they said, "Hey, pastor, what what does the church mean when the church talks about justice? justice. Because we've been picking it up in all the prayers, we've been picking it up in different things that you all have been writing." What do you mean when you say justice? Because when the politicians on TV talk about justice, is it the same thing? What, mm-hmm. you know, are you talking about putting criminals behind bars? What, what yeah. is, what is, yeah, justice? I'm a superhero fan. Right. It caused me honestly to pause and to say, you know mm-hmm. what? Let me get back with you because I admit, like, I've just been saying that word a lot in my preaching, but if I given it really, tr- truly some deep thought, and then, man, to, to really do that mental exercise of thinking, and so where might most people be when they hear yeah. the word justice? Because I'm willing to bet we've all got a different definition for it. 
it's really an interesting idea to think about that because one of the things that I was thinking about is we can't get away from language, right? I mean, we can't talk about it like it's all bad. And I don't think we are. I'm just saying we have to use language to describe these abstract concepts, right? We got to put meat on it, flesh on it, right? So, that, so we have to use that. And then when you take the church, like you pointed out, Lauren, which I think is, is helpful, that we take a church that's not in the center of culture anymore, that it's now maybe fighting to be more central than it, than it really is. Then what happens is, we've lost common ground with culture anymore, right? So we talk about grace, we talk about faith, we talk about justice, we talk about communion, but that's not what the rest of the world thinks. And when we don't think about it, when we try, don't try to slow down and say, how can we phrase this better? What happens is we get a bunch of people who don't know how to talk about their faith anymore. Well, and also our faith then seems irrelevant. Right. It seems irrelevant because it doesn't even use real well, words. Because we can't unpack what we're thinking enough to have an honest conversation with somebody else. Right. Yeah. And I think that's just uh, that's just something from our comfort and our privilege of like I'll speak for myself as a person who then went to like a theological school to learn these theological words. But I was warned very early in seminary. Half of these words I never want to hear in a sermon. Like, they're not that helpful. They're concepts. And uh, someone said, it's basically that the challenge is because we're talking about abstract concept and we're talking about something as big as God. Um, I think it was Charles Booth always says, there's always going to be trouble, troubles when you're using words, lowercase w, to convey the word, capital W. And mm -hmm. I heard that the other day when I was talking about what is, I think I was talking about Abraham or something, how he was blessed to be a blessing. And I was asking kids, what does it mean? What does blessed mean? And they said, hashtag blessed. And I go, hmm. And I remember on Twitter, on a lot of these things, Instagram, you take pictures of nice things like a good dinner or uh, something as mundane as a coffee cup like from Starbucks or something as like over the top as a Lamborghini and saying like hashtag blessed. And I go, Oh, so what does blessed mean? <laughs> and they go, it's like nice things. It's having nice things. And I'm like, Oh dang. Yeah, I guess. But man, do we have a responsibility as opposed to a biblical, a biblical understanding of being blessed, which would be to be found in favor in the sight right. of God uh -huh. or you know, to, uh, right. to, to be justified in the sight of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's just, a, it's just an interesting phenomenon, a reality that people have not been enculturated in church, uh, like they were one, two, three generations ago. You know, all the statistics point to this reality that, that younger generations are not brought up in the church at a, at the, as, at a, at the same rate that their parents or grandparents were. I mean, I think of all my really good buddies and friends I grew up with in church, and I would say two thirds of them are not in a, in a Christian community. And that, that's not to condemn them or to, or to do anything of that, that sort. It's just a reality. Mm -hmm. I think the, the way that we've communicated and have spoken about things for a long time just might not be connecting with people. And so then I see two reactions from the church. One is this idea that, well, we're going to hold fast to our language, our rituals, our customs, our way of talking about God. We're going to keep that exactly the same. And people just need to get on board. They just need to learn the language. They'll figure it out if they have the, the resolve to stick with it, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Or a faithful reaction is that, yes, we're always going to hold on to words like grace and blessed and, you know, very simple, basic Christian words. But it's a conversation that, that, that invites us, I think, into, well, then how can we learn to speak the language of society, the language of the culture, in order to illuminate the gospel that's already present within it? You know, that's kind of what Paul yeah, did, that's right? What I was thinking. Paul traveled mm. to, uh, to, to Greek territories or Roman territories. Like Paul used the language and the culture of the people to bring God's word alive to them. And I, I think that mm-hmm. I see far too many Christians gathered together speaking this weird Christianese, this weird Christian language. <laughs> and you hear some really strange things. I was at a Starbucks the other week and there was this group having Bible study and, uh, and I, the, the conversation was mind blowing to me because they were, I heard a bunch of, you know, lately I've just been striving, but I sense that I'm not thriving. And I really just want to draw closer to the heart of God. And well, then, brother, are you backsliding? And I'm thinking, what in the world are they talking about? <laughs> in my flesh, I'm struggling um, spiritually, though, you know, I'm yearning for a longer obedience. But in the flesh, it's just, you know, you're like, whoa, I don't. I think all those sentiments are beautiful, but I'm like, whoa, how intimidating is that to walk in? Uh, yeah, it's it's like another language entirely. It was like I was reading a Danielle Steele novel, <laughs> like like a romance novel. But isn't that something like a community would want to get to? I mean, I don't know. Do you want that? I mean, doesn't that show like some sort of... Um, uh, what's the word? Uh, vulnerability and people like speaking that way. I mean, for us, I think we're going, whoa, whoa, what is this new vocab? Just the same as we admit that we're we're probably more religious than we are spiritual as a critique of sort of mainliners like ourselves. Speak for yourself, Alex. Okay, Kyle and I, Kyle and I are resting in the arms I of am. Jesus. I am. Abiding. It's yeah. just fine over here. You're abiding. thriving. Yep. You're not striving like I am. Well, no, I, th- I think, Alex, to your point, if it's authentic, if it's true, you know, if that's if that's your true natural language to talk about God, beautiful, you know, beautiful. I think our tribe has a long way to go in in the intimacy and the connection with God. Yes, I think that's exactly right. I mean, we, we joke about it that we don't share our faith very well. And I think it's because that's not language that we think about God, you know. I would like that, you know, a a collection of people that maybe better than saying anything at all just says, you know what, we're going to go and we're going to serve in our community. And that becomes their statement of faith, right? That would speak a whole lot more volumes uh, to to me, you know, if I wanted, if, if I wanted to know what does God's heart look like, that's what God's heart would look like, right? It wouldn't look like, uh, thriving, which I, Still don't know what that would look like. You're struggling with our language, huh? Yeah. I think authenticity is clear here because I think those communities have done the thing. Then maybe if there is whole communities that can speak in that sort of like those those more emotive words that that would sound so weird on the outside. I think then, Lauren, you got a glimpse of what it looks like when somebody who has got like a very spirited uh, from maybe a, a, a community that did use vocabulary, that they did challenge them to talk uh, this way, I think you get a glimpse of how they see a mainline church as they say, we're going to go into our liturgy now, begin our liturgy with the confession sure. and forgiveness and move into the offering. They will then face the narthex as we continue with our. This is what I find interesting. 
from the circles of friends I have, and people I know in the non-denominational evangelical circle, or, and I would include in that category, folks that are pretty non-churched up. Right. Folks that are just, Mm -hmm. maybe have a small affiliation from childhood. When they come into a highly liturgical, formal, call it what you want, traditional Lutheran Episcopalian service, I often hear comments that, wow, everyone has either uh, is it's it's trying to sound poetic or is to make their words sound intellectual, but it feels rigid and it feels a little cold and it feels a little stiff. Mm. So I hear one of those two things. The way you pray, the way you talk about God, the words you use for God, they're beautiful, poetic, but there's also this rigidness to them. And then those same folks that maybe are unchurched, you know, they go down the street, I know, and, and they visit a more non-denominational, whatever it might be, kind of a community. And they're um, initially drawn more into that type of community because typically the leaders or the people praying or speaking, they're using everyday ordinary language. Mm. The, and, and the way they're talking about God just seems much more, what's the buzzword? Authentic. Mm-hmm. It just feels more real or relatable. I hear the same thing with our music, right? And I'm not just trying to beat up. I'm not trying to beat up our tribe because I'm in the tribe. I love our tribe. But but our hymns and the, and the words we sing in the hymns, I don't know what half the words mean. That's true. But the music is arranged a certain way or we've sang that hymn for 1500 years. And so we're going to we're going to keep singing that hymn. And and I don't necessarily think it's theology. I don't necessarily think it's the way people uh, talk about God. Uh, It's not necessarily the things people are saying about God. It's the way people are talking about God that draws people into other communities that feel like the jump from secular world into Christian world isn't as big of a leap to take. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. But what I want to, I guess I want to lift up the other side too. You want to be feeling, you want to be authentic, right? And there's a difference between a hymn like the church is one foundation and there's, there's history, there's, there's theology, there's authenticity there. Then like a, I don't know what you want to call it, a praise and worship song, which says, Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. And it's all feeling and there's no depth to it or no honesty about the stuff that we experience in life. Right. You want to, you want to balance. I, I agree, Kyle, but I, I think that's a whole nother conversation because you can get into worship songs that are theologically deep or not. I would, and this is personal preference, and I probably am the unicorn in the room. I don't know. I would much rather take a, a simple song that repeats itself over and over that I understand the words than a hymn that I don't know half the words I'm singing. I don't think you're alone there, Lauren. I want all the hymns to say, anytime they try to rhyme the word prove, and love, I want us all to say Louvre. That's all I want. <laughs> I'm just saying there has to be a balance between the the thoughtfulness with the words and the emotion behind the words. That so we have to that we have to balance that. Totally, out, right? totally, you know? totally. And yeah, agree. I mean, there's certainly we could talk worship all the all worship day long, wars episode what twenty. It's coming. Worship Wars 2016. But I, I do think there has to be a balance. And not only do we have to be careful and cautious about what we do. But there also has to be education behind that. We have to be thinking about that and talking to our people about, okay, what does this, uh, what does this mean for us? What does grace mean to you? I mean, why don't we ask 
everybody what they think grace means and and give them a chance to let's put it into words so that we could start to talk about our faith a little bit easier instead of it being so scary and hard. Right. I think it's crucial in today's day and age because Leonard Sweet, you know, a great theologian, said that we're living in a time of rapid, rapid change because we're in this uh, day and age when we are into what he called post-scale. So you've all heard of post-modern, right? You know, so the move from the modern world, which valued institution, authority, to a post-modern world that values the self as uh, the center of authority Mm -hmm. and opinion. And we're post-Christian, right? So Christianity is not the center of society. Not everybody's a cradle uh, Christian. Uh, We're post-Christian. He he added to that conversation and he said that we're post-scale. And what he meant by that is that in modern history, change is happening at such a rapid pace that we can't even measure with the scale anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, think about it. From the dawn of time, we moved from walking to chiseling to inventing a stone that rolled to uh, those stones into wheels that pulled a cart by a horse to a car with wheels. And then in the last hundred or so years to a rocket ship mm-hmm. that goes to the moon. When did we do that? What do you? What was that? Go back. The moon? Yeah, we went to the moon, Alec. Oh, my gosh. Did it just blow your mind? <laughs> yes. No, I'm sorry. I Dumb and dumber, deep cut, everybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but that we're in this time of post-scale where we can't measure th- anything anymore. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. And so change is happening so rapidly that we're just really honestly all trying to keep up. Yeah. And so not just um, the things we're communicating, but how we're communicating them. You know, Lord knows a whole nother thing we should talk about sometime is the church and social media and technology, because, man, I feel like I'm often way behind the curve. Yes, we are. But even though even though look at us, you know, you might be thinking, wow, Alex, Kyle and Lauren, they are savvy. They're podcasters. They're on the (laughs) Internet. They are semi famous. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Semi, semi, semi. We're learning as we go, you know, and. And who knows? Who knows what's next, you know? In five years from now, maybe in six months from now, we'll be hologrammed into your living room as you listen to this. Yes, what a gift. You'll get to see me and everything. (laughs) That's right. Oh, man. Well, that's I think that's what we we then boiled it down to is the fact that this language thing, I think it's more about, uh, to use another buzzword, about like intentional. Are we intentional with our language? Or are we careless with it in the sense that we fall into our cliche casserole culture? These are the words that you learn and you can either get in or get off. Or are we being responsible with this word as Paul was? And to all people, we're, we're challenging ourselves to better articulate it, to express it, put flesh on the bones of it, but not to abandon them either. Because I'm not interested in abandoning words that are meaningful words that Jesus used words that Jesus even hijacked like kingdom. Like when you hear kingdom, yes, we still hear Kings and thrones, power and violence, but the idea that God's hope is being revealed in a very tangible way that God's reign, essentially God leave the gender out of it. Say God, the creator, the one who whispered the cosmos into existence has a hope for all creation. And the kingdom is that hope. I don't want to abandon that word. We use it in our prayers. But are we then being responsible for the word and teaching it? I think that's what I mean. Are we talking about it practically in the world and not hopefully using it in such lofty language that we're like, 
obviously, kingdom, you know, like kingdom come, your will be done. No, I mean, we say kingdom come, your will be done. We should definitely talk about those words and use them regularly so we can start creating a culture, as Lauren put it. That's how culture is formed. A funny example of this is the title of our own stinking podcast. Yes. Yeah. With the hot, hot dish. <laughs> it's so funny. Like everyone in the church that, that, you know, has heard about the podcast or, you know, has caught on to it. They're like, oh, yeah, that's a great title. Yeah. Moving beyond the casserole cliche. And then my friends outside of the church. What's a hot dish? They're like, what, what is it? What's a hot dish, bro? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh, man. Perfect example. That's right? it. We're trying to, sh- we're, we're, we're hoping these conversations could shake that up. So that's what we'd like to hear from you. If you uh, are listening and you, you've maybe enjoyed this conversation. I don't know. Maybe you did. I hope you did. Uh, please join us on Facebook, on Twitter. Check us out to hellwiththehotdish.com where you can find how to talk to us, how to get in touch with us. We want to hear like, what are some words that have been hangups in your place? Uh, what are some words you have hangups with? Words that do have a meaning outside of the, uh, you know, the church language that are sometimes a problem or ones that you wish you better understood because I think it'd be helpful for all of us to be in that dialogue together. And maybe we'll start a, uh, a thread on Facebook and, and I'd love to hear words that you, you think Christians should just remove from their vocabulary, yes. like words that words, the church should just stop using. And then I'd also like to hear words that you think we need to do a better job explaining yeah. and unpacking. That would be super interesting, at least I know for, for Kyle and Alex and I to hear. Yeah. It would be great for us to, I mean, and I'm going to challenge myself to be more cautious about how I use words and, and also helping people unpack that so they can start to talk about it because I think for far too long we haven't done that. So. So that's us. Uh, we, we'd love to get your feedback. Please rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't already. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, and yeah, use that language. Speak it. Name it. Claim it. But also kind of explain yourself. Uh, but yeah, with that, we will again say, as we always do, to hell with the hot dish. To hell with the hot dish. To hell with the hot dish.